boy, when I became a plumber and I started getting better at it, yeah. I walk around with this, uh, <laughs> like, and I do, I feel like I'm You're like a queen. I know a superwoman. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. Shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Awesome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me on this Saturday. I have an amazing woman today to introduce you to. Uh, her name is Judeline, and she's from Trinidad, and she is a uh, licensed plumber for a very, very long time in the union, 22 years. So welcome to the show, Judeline. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it's. Yeah. I know you've been very, very busy with your uh, your Tools and Tierras program, where you teach you know young girls about the trades. But before we get into that, I want to get into your background a little bit. I think you have an amazing history, and being an African American woman in the plumbing union in New York City is incredibly hard and competitive, and uh, not a lot of people know that just how hard it is to actually get that job. So I wanted you to tell a little bit of your background and your story and kind of how you came to the U.S. and how you became a plumber in the New York City Union. Can you share that? Yes, definitely. Um, so I actually uh, went to trade school in Trinidad and Tobago. Originally, I wanted to be a lawyer and Wonder Woman, but those things didn't happen. <laughs> well, you still <laughs> are a Wonder Woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> so my great-grandmother, who took care of me, she passed away. And I couldn't attend university. Hmm. And the trades was the next best option. So in my mind, I always analyze everything. So I figured if I applied for like um, the tailoring, the culinary arts or anything like that, I may not have an opportunity to get in because a lot of women would also seek those trades. So I said, you know what, I'll try for the trades. So there was plumbing or electric, uh, being an electrician. And in my mind, I said, electrician, you get shock, plumbing, you get wet, and plumbing, here I come. <laughs> so I love that's it. kind of like how I chose plumbing. Mm -hmm. And I went for a year uh, at the trade school, and then I left and came to America about 1989. And for a while, I didn't do plumbing. I was a babysitter, a nanny. A housekeeper, a personal shopper, I did all of that. And my neighbor who lived next door to me remembered that I went to trade school and did plumbing. And uh, back in the 90s, a lot of black people had a hard time getting in to the unions and construction sites. So they formed something called like a coalition where they would go on jobs and demand jobs. And I guess they demanded a job and told them, you know, we have a plumber and that's how I kind of <laughs> got started back into the plumbing and the company that I worked for that actually took me, uh, you can work for them for like a year being non-union. And then if you seem like you like the trades or you're good at it, they'll send you down to the union. So hmm. I went down to the union and of course it was back then they said, why don't you go home and do dishes, little girl? And I didn't get in. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I went to my car and I cried, not in front of them. And I just decided to just keep working. I'm making money. I'm doing what I love. And uh, someone advocated for me. Um, his name is Brian Tatora. And I got into the union and I was the first woman to get into the Plumbers Local Union uh, 371 in New York City. Wow. So that's how the journey began. And, and the first black woman to do it, which is, yeah, yeah, I mean, people don't really understand. You know, I'm in California where it's highly regulated. So we have, mm. actually, I'd, I'd probably say California and New York are the closest as far as how highly regulated we are. But actually, New York is even worse than California. So, yeah. you know, the licensing requirements are way, way higher. Um to get into the unions is really difficult. To get onto a job site is really, really difficult. Like, it's very competitive. And uh, I know how hard it is in California. And so I, <laughs> I've, I know a couple of carpenter women in New York City, and they've told me some stories about 
I mean, it's just really, really, really competitive. And um, those spots are so limited. So it's just a huge, um, I mean, it's a huge cue that you got in there. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. So what was the first, like, I mean, this was again, back when I sort of started too. So it was a long time ago and things were a lot harder then, even than they are now. What was your first year like? in the union as a black woman being a plumber in New York city, like explain, tell us what the jobs were like, like what was an average day like and what were you doing? And, uh, you know, how did you sort of overcome some of the struggles and stuff? The weird thing is it actually wasn't that hard. Uh, the way I started out with the company that I started out with, which is really weird. And the place that it was, it's that Island, New York. And that's one of those places that, Racism is prevalent even mm-hmm. to this day, but the guys, I think it's, it's, it's weird. Now that you asked me this question, I'm realizing like, wow, I actually, when I first started the first year with that company, things was actually easier than when I actually got into the union and got on bigger construction sites. So on, when I started with them, I was doing mostly residential. So it became like a family, all the guys, you know, they respected the fact that I showed up every day for work. I worked just as hard. I didn't complain except for the weather when it was cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody knew my song was My Toesies or Frozies, <laughs> and I would keep saying it. <laughs> yeah. But believe it or not, I actually just talking to you now, I realized when I first started that first couple of years, it was great. They taught me a lot, and that's basically where I learned my craft even more mm-hmm. because I was in such a smaller setting, and everybody became a family. Yeah. You know, so that was great. I think the difficulties arised when I started being on big construction sites, you know, not being able, not people not wanting to teach and teach you to trade people, uh, especially being a black woman, wanting you to just like do things like go for coffee, unload mm-hmm. the trucks, sweep up the stuff dust. like that. That. Yeah. 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 So how did you get over that? Um, I mean, I know you're not, you're, you're taller than me. Um, so you're not short, short like I am, but like, how, no, you, how tall? I'm how five tall three. I think you're five seven, aren't you? No, oh. my dear. Oh, okay. I am four feet, 11 and seven. Eights. Are you serious? See, it's just because yes. you have such a big personality. <laughs> so I know. The, when I saw the you thing, I think, pictures, yeah, you then, look taller than that. Oh my God. That's so funny. No, I'm really tiny. And that's what mm. is really the thing about it. And a lot of people should understand in life. And I've seen this picture everywhere sometimes. And that's how I feel like there's a pretty cat looking in a mirror. And what the pretty cat sees in the reflection mm-hmm. is a big lion. <laughs> a tiger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I kind of live my life. I actually never really knew how small I was until about, I know it might sound strange, but three years ago, the guys really point, I was walking from the job and I saw a lot of other short people and I swear I was taller than them. And the guys kept telling me, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I could, yeah. And that's when it happened. But I've always lived, and I think that served me well. Yeah. uh, Now and even then, like I never knew. I didn't have any limitations on myself because I never saw myself as, oh, I'm small. Oh, I'm a black woman. Oh, I'm a woman. I just saw myself as like, I got to get this done. Yeah, yeah I can and do this. I don't care what yeah. they say. Mm-hmm. So can you describe, because for a lot of people that have never been in a un- like a true traditional union and the plumbers union in New York City is a true, true union, as union as yes. it gets. Can you kind of describe what it's like to be uh, an apprentice because you probably were a you know like a year one plumber which we call like an apprentice right Right. what like year one and year two and year three into your huge career like what what is it actually like how does the structure work on a union if a young girl wanted to go into the union can you kind of describe how the business model works in a union like with the younger trades people and the people yeah. and the journey level like who's doing what and who gets to decide what and who gets to do what jobs and how do you become successful in that specific environment so when you first get in everybody call you know you considered to be green meaning you don't know anything and you're going to be taught uh, how to do the craft and the great thing about apprenticeships it does work and the hands-on learning that you're going to you know, get from somebody teaching you. So when you get in, let's say your first year, while 
you will be on the job site learning the craft and at the same time you'll be attending school and learning the science behind what you do so on the job site the foreman is a person who decides the task that everyone needs to do so he has a plan of action this is how the building is going to be 60 stories we have ways we have vent we have fixtures we have stuff to do so how how can i best delegate this task so a lot of times an apprentice um uh, because we have to train the future generation of um plumbers they will get tasked with a journey person so your first year you might and it really like that you might just be a gopher meaning you like an assistant of working on a movie set you just go in for coffee you go in for tools you go in for materials you're not really getting to learn yet but during those moments is when you're going to be paying attention and looking at the journey level person to learn your craft that's what separate apprentices and make them successful we have apprentices that just come and they might be there for the year they go for the coffee they go for the stuff but they're not really paying attention to what the journey person is doing so that you can step in and help that person so that's like your first year you might you want to go for you will be going for a lot of stuff the second year you start into you'll still go for stuff on low trucks tasks like that chop holes because uh, things need to be done but now the mechanic which is somebody like me will start trusting you said okay you've been doing this for a year maybe i can trust you to put together the piping system the no hub the pvc whatever it is but slowly but what i love about apprenticeship and it's great for people like me i learn better when somebody shows me something right mm-hmm. and i learn really quick so it's a great opportunity if you you okay with being critiqued and you okay with somebody telling you something over and over even though you have heard it already you still act like you're hearing it for the first time and i that's what i did right and by doing that you learn various ways how to do things so that you can find which one works best for you So that's kind of like how it works and the great thing about the union is from the beginning I mean you get in a pension you get in benefits you have every almost every year you get a, a big jump in salary you know and uh it's a livable wage and it could really change uh and not really it has done for many people change generations of poverty mm-hmm. uh being in a, a union member because you, you know be, it's very financially successful very and this is the one place i really feel that a lot of women if we let them know that it exists and you okay with dealing with the elements and the weather and that the opportunity is 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 amazing to earn the dollar mm-hmm. and what's great for especially for latina women and black women mm-hmm. uh who in traditional other places don't earn the same as a as a, our white sisters so you you know as a black woman we would earn 65 cents but with the union it doesn't matter i earn the same amount as the they guy they can't tell you're black who, <laughs> yes <laughs> <With> the paycheck <laughs> but, yeah the yeah. paycheck is uh, is equal so that's It's the, the same color about. for everybody um, yeah. would you mind sharing for someone that might be a younger woman listening like what is mm-hmm. a you know kind of what was a beginning salary range for you and like what it, a journey level plumber can earn in the union like do you mind sharing it doesn't have to be yours personally but just no. you know so they have an um, idea of like what that means so every state is different so um one of the, three of the highest paying states is um New York City, Chicago, California so it depends so in New York City you can start off at $16 an hour and it just i mean it rises from there. Mm-hmm. And when you journey out, you can make $65 an hour. Okay. That's, that's good. That's plus, huge. Plus your benefits and plus and, your benefits. Your so that's just your hourly that. rate that you see mm-hmm. in your um we call it in your envelope, but there's the total package is about 100 and I think the last check I think was $101, $102 an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I like about it is especially if you go in some place that's very competitive or has a real true union you get so much skill sets in the union that it's very transferable so you could move to another state and actually get a job very easily as a licensed plumber so i mean it's a great great skill to have a great trade to have that is very transferable you know what i mean so like if you wanted to move to california you know you could easily make the same amount of money here you know what i'm saying like so yeah. I, that's what i like about it um and that's what i love about just being in the trades in general and i 
try to advocate for that, that this is something that if you learn a skill, whether it be plumbing, become sheet metal worker, a millwright worker, so, you know, millwright people, they do all the escalators and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, carpenter, you can travel pretty much anywhere in the world and say, you know what, I'm tired of living in New York. I'm moving <laughs> to another state. You have a skill that yeah. you can go anywhere in the world and earn an income. Mm-hmm. And also what's great about what we do as tradespeople, for me, you learn a skill that can benefit society and you can give back and do things with it. Just not only just earn income, but you have a skill that you can help people in need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I love about it, what I always tell people is like, once you learn how to swing a hammer, like you don't forget how to swing a hammer, right? (laughs) Once you learn how to put PVC together, like it's not like these types of skills. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of a hand touch to some things, but in general, once you learn something and you feel that pride of it and you're really competent at it, you don't forget how to do it. And so it's sort of a, you know, I love that about like electricians or plumbers or carpenters or whatever. Like I love that it can't be taken away from you once you know it. Whereas a lot of some skill sets, you have to keep practicing all the time to really be good at it. Yes. I don't know. I find like once you have that muscle memory, like you don't forget it. You know what I mean? No. And that's so true. And that's what I find happens every month in the monthly workshops. And women send me their pictures of, hey, I'm using the drill. Um, you, There's nothing. I don't know what anybody else could say, but there is nothing more empowering than using tools. I mean, there's other things, but once you get that confidence with working with tools and building stuff, it translates beyond that because I had no self-confidence in myself or even believed in myself as a woman having, you know, some form of value. But boy, when I became a plumber and I started getting better at it, I walk around with this, uh, (laughs) like, and I do, I feel like like a queen. I know a superwoman. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, it's something that cannot be, that pride cannot be taken away from you. And it's something that I think you and I share that, uh, women, I, I strongly feel that not a lot of women get this type of pride in any other way, right? It's a totally different kind of pride than being pretty or being great at school or being a good mother or it's a different kind of pride. Don't you find like, it's just yours. Like it's so empowering to be able to do something that a lot of people can't do physically (laughs) with your hands, right? Like it's just so empowering in a different way. So I love, I really want to get more women to know what that feels like. (laughs) So, um, okay. So we are going to talk about your classes, but I don't want to get off of your journey here just so that, uh, you know, if anybody's listening, so I get that, in the first couple of years, you're sort of trying to find your spot in the union. You're trying to figure out, I know for me, like who are the best journeyman people? That's what I learned was, Oh, I want to learn. You know, I don't really, Steve is not that great at his job. I want to learn from Paul, right? Oh, Paul is the guy that does stuff in half the time and his stuff is beautiful and he really knows what he's doing at work. Right. So can you explain to them about sort of the dynamics of a job site and trying to find mentors to try to learn under the best people so that you go up in the union faster, right? Cause you're getting the best skills at every level. Yeah. So the, that is definitely a very, very important role that you do find a mentor. I was lucky that I, I found over the years, like I always tell people I'm advocating for women to get into the trade, but I wouldn't be the awesome, excellent, great plumber that I am because of the awesome men who taught me everything. So you have to find yourself a mentor and you look for that person who has, you know, some people might be skilled, but yet they don't want to mentor anyone. Mm -hmm. So you find that person who, you know, you, you want to be like, you find somebody that you want to be like and, and be mentored and be teachable and you won't learn the craft if you think you know everything. So I have apprentices, if I'm telling you, uh, you know, you tell them something, I don't want you to tell me that I know it already. I still, up to this day, if I go to a job and I'm working with someone and they tell me how to do something, I would listen because I just figure I might learn a new way of doing something and it has happened. So the goal is to find a mentor, be teachable and participate in the union because it's like a gym membership. You know, like I'm struggling with that right now. If you don't go to the gym, it doesn't really, <laughs> really <laughs> work. So you mean the weight doesn't just partic- come off by itself <laughs> by thinking about yeah. it? <laughs> so, yeah, you have to be part of the process and be part of the union and be going to the union meetings and showing up. And those are the way that, you know, when times 
there is times in our business that we have downtime mm-hmm. and you may not be working, but because you build relationships with people throughout the years in your business, you can call someone and say, Hey, is your company hiring? And I've gotten work doing it that way. So mm-hmm. you have to find yourself a mentor. And also when you learn the craft, you should not feel like I'm not going to teach anyone because they're afraid you're afraid of someone uh, taking your job. That's not what it's about. It's about passing it on. Mm-hmm. I did have a question about, um, uh, not a lot of people understand how the union works and that you actually have to get your own jobs. So can you talk a little bit about like what you meant when you said, you know, that when, when you were out of work, that you still had to go to the union hall, not a lot of people actually understand how that works okay. in the union. So, um, Junior apprenticeship in most union, not all unions, in most uh, unions, junior apprenticeship, you're guaranteed work in the sense like they have to keep you working because you need so many uh, hours to graduate from school. So junior apprenticeship, you're pretty much okay. You might get laid off, but then the trade and ed where you go to learn the science behind what you do, they put you to work. So now you, you did your five years, you journeyed out. You're working on a job. Now you get laid off and you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So in order to get a job, you sometimes you call the union and you let them know that you're out of work. That doesn't necessarily mean that they will get you a job right away. So you need to call companies, the plumbing companies that you know of and, you know, ask them if they're hiring. But one of the best ways actually is through networking from all during the time where you were apprentice, getting to know people, keeping their numbers, keeping in touch. So that's that's the thing about our business, which is it's great and it's bad. We we work ourselves out of jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we yeah. build buildings and we you know get them done and then now you're out of a job. So you have to keep your skill up to date. And I advocate now, I wish I've d- I did it sooner, but to go back to school and learn to use more of your brain besides what you do in the trade ed. So you will always keep yourself working. Yeah. Um, You know, that's where the struggle comes in. Yeah. So the way that it works, you guys, is that there's actually a list. So you might be on a job, like let's say if it's a really big construction site and that job might be there for three years, Judeline might be there for three years, but then when that job is complete, she's now basically out of work unless that same company that she worked for that was a union Mm -hmm. contractor already has her on another job. And that does happen, right? So years and years yes. can go by where you're with the same contractor, but if that contractor, that union contractor doesn't have another job site for you to go to, you're technically laid off and, yeah. and you're still required as being in the union to go to the union hall every day, right? And you have to check a list. Did you guys have to do that? You're supposed to check No, it does what I'm saying. Every, every union is a little bit different. Okay. Like ours is, we don't have a list where you go every day and check you. You put your name on the list and you right. just keep calling right. or you can go down to, yeah. So every union that's, but that's you're so required to look for your own work. Whereas a lot of people, yes. when you, when you're new to the union, you think, Oh, like when I joined the carpenters union, I joined it specifically because I thought, Oh, that means I have a guaranteed job for life. Like, Oh, right. I'm going to always be working once I've been through the union. No, right. it, they don't tell you up front <laughs> that you have to go out and find your own jobs, right? They've got a list of union contractors that are union approved And you can work for any of those people, but you have to go and hustle to find that job. So to give an example, like how many job sites, not job sites, how many contractors have you worked for in that 22 years? I think maybe over six or seven. I was fortunate. So like I started with one company duo and then I did my apprenticeship with Alma Plumbing. And then I worked for the company I'm presently back working with called Liberty Mechanical. Mm -hmm. I was pretty much with them. Like you said, I was with them for almost 10 years and I worked for like, so I've been fortunate compared Mm -hmm. to like a lot of other women didn't have that opportunity uh, Mm -hmm. to do that. But so I, I, my list is really short compared to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and it it really does depend on the economy a lot and what's going on in Mm -hmm. the industry because there can be you know, periods like here in the, in California, there was like a total feast and famine where like, you know, when the recession hit, like there were literally no jobs in the union. <laughs> like there was yes. nothing on the list. There was like three companies and they were completely full and you could not get a job in the union. So it's definitely yeah. feast or famine. And so to um, be able to have, it's a real accomplishment to be able to be in the plumbers union in New York city for 22 years uh, is 
that's like, it takes a lot of hustle. And like you said, the networking part of that, making friends on jobs and already pre-thinking your next job site, yes. sort of setting yourself up for success is like really an important part of being in the union. Um, it's but, very, very important. Yeah. And it's all, you know, also very important, which I teach apprentices now and a lot, because what happens is the money gets very addictive. You know, you st- especially the New York City rate money, you get, yeah. it gets very addictive and you start buying stuff and you go crazy. And I tell apprentices, you know, you have to save at least with, you know, most people in regular jobs, financial people might say save uh, three months of salary so that you can live right till you find the next gig with the union. You need at least six months or more saved yeah. up. Yeah, uh, that's smart. So that's what kept me also, like you said, when the economy got bad in 2008, luckily I had saved all my overtime money and that helped me carry, carry me through when a lot of women and men lost their houses and everything. Yeah. I, I saved mine. So that's another thing you should do, you know, uh, save the money and live beneath your means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Thanks again for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show. Hey guys, I'm here putting away just the last of my Blue Apron box. You know, it only takes a few minutes to put all the food away. I absolutely love that. Everything's individually wrapped. And I was thinking about the fact that I can't stop talking about Blue Apron and Uh, I had another thing that I thought of last week. I had some of my neighbor girls come over and I've been using Blue Apron to teach them how to cook and they absolutely love it because they get to unpackage all the little items. They get to learn new vocabulary words. All the words are on their recipe card. They can look them up. We can talk about them. They get to learn all new different ways of cooking, right? Chopping, dicing, all kinds of different kinds of recipes that they wouldn't normally get access to. And I really believe that it's great if you're a kid to be introduced to more unusual foods, not just all the same stuff. It gives you a much wider palate when you're a grown up. So I just noticed that these girls absolutely love cooking. They love cooking side beside me. And it just makes for a really, really fun evening. And they like all the different interesting recipes too. We've made homemade pizzas together. We've made homemade hamburgers together. We've made pastas together salads together, all kinds of things that they normally wouldn't really have access to making. That's why I love it. Once again, Blue Apron has basically pulled out the best parts of cooking. So if you want to experience this cooking style Blue Apron with maybe a child in your life, I would highly recommend it. You're going to save money. There's going to be no hassle, no food waste, and the kid is going to absolutely have a blast. Sign up today. It'll help my show. And I really thank you for your support. Go to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash blue apron and save $30 off of your first week. And tell me about your experience with cooking with a child. I'd really love to hear the story. What is your least favorite part of being a plumber? And what is your favorite part of being a plumber? The least favorite part of being a plumber and what everybody thinks about most of the times when they think about plumber is unclogging toilets. Like I don't do that. I work in new construction and that's something that I like, even when when friends ask me, I'm like, you know, I will tell them how to do it only because I have this, my nose is very sensitive Mm -hmm. and then I will, yeah. So that's like the least, uh, but on, part, but on but, your actual job, what you actually yes. do, what's your least So on my part? actual job site, I love reading the prints and doing overhead copper and overhead cast iron, reading the prints. And because for me, I like uh, solving things. There's a problem and it needs to be solved. So for me, that's like one of the best part doing, doing that, reading the prints and doing all the branches and mains and stuff like that. So it's pretty complex then. It can be, I yes, bet, on it some is. of these really large buildings. Oh, yes, it is. You can have, uh, sometimes we call it a rack of pipe with uh, 15 lines running on it, you know, mm-hmm. going everywhere. And you're going to be running to where the carpenter might have a shear wall. You might you might be running where the duck is going and you have to make sure you don't hit and 
check elevations and do formulas. So mm-hmm. that part gets to be fun. Is fun. Like, so you're always thinking, you know? Yeah. So. so what's your least favorite part? Or do you just really like it all? It kind of sounds like you, maybe I, you like it all. <laughs> I really love plumbing because it's, for me, it's amazing. It's, it's a puzzle. And mm-hmm. the way my brain works, I just love solving things. Yeah. And, uh, I still like it to this day. The only thing like, the, oh, I know what's the least favorite part with the winter time. I was going to say it's, the weather probably for you. <laughs> I'm an island girl. So yeah. the weather, I don't know how I do it every time. Yeah. I mean, I buy tons and tons of toe warmers, mm-hmm. but the winter time, that might be it. You know, at the summertime, I know I, I'm sweaty like, you know, the last couple of days I've been brazen or soldering. Some people might know, you know, it's like brazen is a form of welding. Yeah. So picture doing that in a hot building with no AC, with a torch. So all day I'm just dripping, dripping like sweat, exhausted. Yeah. Well, me too. As a carpenter, it's like 108 out here and I'm putting yeah. cabinets and I'm just like, you know, the doors are open. There's no AC on. We're in and out of the truck. I mean, I'm just literally dripping sweat from like 7 a.m. Yeah. to like 7 at night. I'm just like, oh, yep. I'm over this. Like, I hate this yeah. part. Um, but those days uh, when it gets really cold and it's yeah. minus whatever and you're yeah. there, the money has been my best friend and motivator <laughs> that keeps me going every day. I love that. Um, okay. And then just lastly, do you have any words of advice or anybody who might be struggling on a job site? Um, you know, like what, what have you dealt with, with either being, you know, a black woman or just being, you know, has it just, has anything really happened in the last couple of years or have you gotten to a point where you're just that good at your job that you don't really get hassled or you don't get problems like that? Has any of that like ever happened? And or did it just, did you just kind of blow by it? It, as I'll be real as a woman in the trades or a woman in any male dominated field or woman, just being in a space, people will always underestimate you and they will always, um, speak down to you. Mm-hmm. And, but what I've found and what's where, and it still happens, but mm-hmm. it's how you deal with it. So for me, I always have a good comeback. Everybody knows that Judy has a really great comeback <laughs> and I use humor a lot in order to deal with some of those things meaning to say i come back with humor because men tend to use humor when they like to say stuff to you Mm -hmm. so that they can say oh my gosh you're being so sensitive so i do the same thing i come back at them with humor so it's always going to happen but you have to be strong what i realized that my world changed when i started believing that I belong in this space just as much as they do. Cause when you first start out, you feel like, Oh my gosh, it's the men's space. All these men around. I'm just trying to be here. I shouldn't, you know what I mean? And at the moment that I accepted that I belong there and I carry myself with that, my whole world changed. So it still happens. Uh, I mean, the sexual harassment stuff don't happen to me, uh, like it did in the beginning because people know that I don't take, can I say those kind yeah. of words? Yeah, you can't. We, we swear on you all the yes. time. You don't take shit. Okay. So I say shit. That's, what the, that's yeah. the extent of my curse word. Yeah, I got But it. I don't, everybody knows that Judy don't take shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they know that Judy Lynn is going to come for you and cut you off. Like cut mm-hmm. that man. And I mean, literally I will, I, they cry when I'm done with them sometimes, mm-hmm. like basically. So, uh, you have to know that you belong in that space and it's your right to be there and and find a way to always have somebody to speak to and to vent to find an uh, you know if it's on facebook or if it's another tradeswoman find i mean sometimes it's difficult depending on where you live you know really mm-hmm. remote you know like when i first started years ago i would be the only 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 tradeswoman on a job site and then I met one of my friends. We're still friends to this year. She actually helps me with my uh, nonprofit. Uh, she's a mason and we form a friendship. And through the years, to be on a job site now and on my job, we have five plumbers that a woman is mm. unheard of. That's incredible. So you, yeah, yeah it, it, this never used to happen. So mm-hmm. you need to find yourself a network, whether it be on Facebook, Instagram, people that you, you're going to talk to because you're always going to need to vent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes venting with them in that space is not the space but if you can vent to someone and tell them what's going on and you they can give you advice to um navigate the system i wish i had someone i had to figure it all out all on my own and now i try to share it with the other female apprentices in whatever trade yeah so find yourself a a a group of people support 
Yeah. Is very well, important. And I love, I really love what you said about, you know, once you've been there for a while and you've really earned it, like you've earned it, like act like yeah. you've earned it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you're good at your job now. Act like it, right? Just carry yourself. So I, Just love, I love how you said that when you decided that you had earned it and put in the time and you knew what the fuck you were doing. Like, yeah. I'm here to work. Like, leave me alone. Let me do my job. So exactly. I love that, that you said that. And what I've found, and women don't realize, like, a lot of women don't apply for jobs or we, you know, like, even, like, with the camp that I was having, mm-hmm. and I asked women to volunteer. They want to volunteer, but they feel like they, women always thinking they're not good enough. Yeah. Men are <laughs> not good enough at some of the shit they sign up for, and yes. they can fake I used to say a thing, I'll fake it till I make it. And you have to do that because that's what men do. And it's not being disingenuous to yourself or whatever it is, but your your mind and your body starts to believe what you tell it. So if you start saying like, you know, like know that those guys, I worked in Lowe's and a lot of the guys was in the plumbing section, even on my job right now, Mm -hmm. the foreman will come and speak to a guy and tell him, hey, we're going to go up you know, nine, six off the floor. And then we're going to make a break and, and go uh, four inches that way. And I went, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's gone, they're like, you understand what he said? Like, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? So they good at and pretending they know it. what they're doing. Yeah. Woman, you have to get the same way. Like yeah. just own it. You know, like they, you already know much more than they do because believe me, mm-hmm. they, a lot of times they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But there's we have saying, to stop shrinking ourselves. Yeah. There's the saying that, um, that, you know, like a man, I, I, I don't know the exact percentage. It's like a funny saying, like, yeah. uh, you know, a man, uh, d- you know, doesn't know 90% of it, but he believes, you know, he thinks he, he knows 10% of it. And he totally thinks he could do the job. And the woman yes. knows 90% of it, no matter what it is. And she's like, oh, I can't do that. I don't know 100% it's of it. So it's so true. Like, no, oh it, my is. God. <laughs> like, it is true. You know enough. They- just move forward. Yeah, we second, just being we a woman. second guess. We're just being a woman. You're just second guessing yourself all the time. Whereas men just, they give themselves that innate confidence, whether they should believe it or not, they do believe it. They do. And you just have to do the same thing. And I think the women that succeed in these very difficult trades sort of innately just are doing that, right? We're sort of just doing it naturally, but you can learn to do that. Like just, yes. yeah, you don't have to know every single part of it to be good at it. You're like just move yeah. forward. So just move forward. Just and move forward. they did. They actually did a, a survey. Um, they did a, a, this is true. They had a, a conference and they asked, you know, anybody here know any, you know, how to breastfeed. And none of the women put up their hands. And the dude, <laughs> and he puts up his hands. And they ask him why. Well, he saw his wife breastfeeding, so he think he knows how to do it. <laughs> now, all the women with breasts, all different sizes and right. colors and shades, uh, did not. See, yes. this is what we're talking about. And yeah. we as women have to change that. We have and to change that reality. Yeah. Start being yeah. confident first and grow into it, right? Grow into yes. that space. Um, so, okay. So let's get, I just love your background and I, I love what you're doing in the union, but let's talk about your passion project, which is your concept is to teach, to transfer your skills onto, you know, kind of underprivileged um, young girls that, that definitely would not normally in these neighborhoods get access to skill sets like the trades. So you've created this nonprofit called Tools and Tierras, and you basically have a summer camp once a year, correct? And then you yes. also have monthly workshops, and you're, these workshops are free for the young girls to attend. You'll let any of the girls in, and you teach all kinds of trades. Um, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about your concept for Tools and Tierras and you know how you decided to do it? So I've always wanted to do this, but I was actually... Af- not a- not afraid. I I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it because I knew it was going to be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So for years I've been wanting to do this, and I wanted girls to be empowered earlier because it's been proven that up, like up to nine years old, girls believe that they can do anything, and then society tells them through different images and mm-hmm. portrayals that they cannot. So my idea was, what if we keep girls? at that age, believing in themselves and nothing in the world can change that, right? If we empower them early. So the idea behind Tools and Tiaras was to expose, inspire, and mentor girls about the amazing opportunities that are available in the construction industry. So that's kind of like what we do. And um, I, I wanted to let them see various women that are very empowered 
and um, like carpenters, electricians. And so everything in our organization is driven by women from our board to the products that we buy and the people that we use is we try to use all um, women owned made in America uh, products and companies first. So we always try to use a woman company first. So girls can see like, wow, like she's a carpenter or she's a plumber. She looks like me. I can be that. And because there's no images, you know, on television, there's a movie or there's a TV show and there's a plumber or electrician or carpenter walking by it's a guy it's yeah. never a woman so they never envision themselves even if they wanted to uh to do something like this so my goal is to show them that you that you are capable of doing this if this is what you uh, want to and also if you never thought about it maybe this is something you should do mm-hmm. you know being that a lot of uh women and uh a lot of um people from poor communities have no ability to really send their kids to college or afford it you know if they don't get a scholarship so this was a way of showing them like this is a way you can um make over a hundred thousand dollars a year without college debt you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of like why i started it and the reason why I want to keep it free because uh, not everybody can afford to send their kids to pay for their kids to go to summer camp. But my summer camp, I you know, I just didn't want them. I want them to learn a, a skill, like you said, that they can last for a lifetime mm-hmm. and translate in many other parts of their lives, even if they never chose to be in the trades. Yeah. Well, I love that you're getting them. I mean, you're you're taking girls that normally. You're sort of short-circuiting that normal path where they would have no access to the friendships they're going to make with these other little girls. Just seeing how you carry yourselves, the things that, you know, all these women that are teaching how they act, right? Yeah. It's very normalized that you can do this. And, you know, you're feeding them and you're, and you're creating this really fun, interesting, amazing environment. And you're sort of showing them a world that they've never seen before in a really positive way. And they will take that confidence with them no matter what they do. So I really love it. I'd love to support it. I know you just finished your very first class, your very first camp. It was very first summer camp. It was very, very successful. And uh, I loved all the little pictures. And I know, can you tell us like a couple of stories about some of the young girls that came through? Like, like kind of what what you saw from beginning to end? Because I can imagine their eyes must just be like, what? Like so exciting. Um, it was really exciting. We, I must say, women, our future is female. These young girls are not like we were growing up. You know, mm-hmm. they, are, they are more confident and they're more willing to take on the things that you show them. But what surprised me the most is uh, the friendships that they formed with each other from day one. Mm-hmm. And we had a very um, diverse group of girls from Native American to uh, Caucasian to Asian to black. And we saw the friendship form with each other right away. Even, you know, even though some people came from different economic standing, uh, they formed that solidarity, like what we do in the trades right away. So that was surprising. I thought maybe it will happen on the third day, Mm -hmm. but it was on the very first day. Mm -hmm. And every single day, what we did was they get to meet different women in the trade. So, which really empowered them. But in the afternoon, we had a really, uh, I had a great uh, thing in the afternoon called entertainment and snacks. So during that time, I brought in women like firefighters. So they get to meet women firefighters. They get to meet artists. They get to meet, they learn (laughs) self-defense. So every day, besides learning the trades, they learn other important life skills and what fascinated me, uh, which was really, really surprising, there was one young lady, Tanzara. She signed up for trade school and she wanted to be an engineer or, you know, anything in the trades because she just didn't want to do anything else. But she was thinking about dropping out because she realized that she was going to be the only girl there. But at the graduation, she uh, soon we'll have that video up. She said after meeting all of these amazing women, you know, from project uh, engineers and plumbers and everybody, it motivated her to know that she can do this and she's going to go in there mm. and stick it out and stick it to the boys. Oh. <laughs> so that was great. And then we have um, 
all the little girls who like, I want to be a plumber. And I'm like, why you want to be a plumber? You get to play with fire. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to solder. So they love yeah. that. But the girls really lit up and you're going to get excited mm. when they did carpentry oh. and we spent the, Yes, because carpentry involves so much power tools. Yes. And that's exactly when I, the shift happened. Yeah. Like we spent almost the whole morning going through tool safety. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of tradeswomen that volunteered their time to teach the girls. And we showed them how to use the miter saw, the, yeah. the drills, the sawzall, mm-hmm. the, just every tool so that they can be comfortable with it. And they built bookshelves for another uh, nonprofit themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they put it all together themselves and did it. So it's, it's really, really amazing that, uh, I mean, that was my hope and it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. And one of the little girls wrote me a card that she wants to come back next year. And she's so happy that I'm doing um, the camp to expose girls to trades. And she loved that I exposed her to so many powerful women. (laughs) So (laughs) mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Check. That's awesome. Well, I love it. And I love, I, I love, you've also got this kind of cool way where, so basically, uh, you told me before that each class is roughly because you feed them and do all this other stuff yeah. is roughly five hundred dollars uh, uh, per class for to to do the girls in it each month. And so, if someone wants to donate that, then they basically are sponsoring that class and they get their yeah. name on it and that kind of thing. So, if we have any women out there, tradeswomen that are you know successful and want to help with this cause, um, you know, you can donate any amount you want. We're going to put the Facebook link up. You can donate directly through Facebook. You know, any amount's going to help. Um, Judeline is paying for this whole thing herself, just so you know. She literally is a licensed plumber who works every day, or, you know, she's a union plumber who works every day. And you have self-financed this entire dream yourself just because you believe in it so much. And um, anything that anybody wants to donate, tools, time, or money, uh, is literally going to go directly to these young girls so that it stays free for these girls so they really get access to this. I love that. I'm going to donate. I'm asking all my other sisters that are listening or anybody that's listening that believes in this program. Um, you know, let's, let's help, let's help Judy out. <laughs> let's help a girl out. <laughs> yeah. um, so what do you have coming up for yourself outside of continuing to work on this and doing these workshops and getting ready for next summer? Like what's sort of on your horizon? So I'm trying to uh, do a lot more. I'm doing a lot more speaking engagements so I can raise money for mm-hmm. tools and tiaras. But I'll be speaking at the American Society for Plumbing Engineers in September and uh, uh, next talk conference speaking about being a plumber. So basically this year I, I'll be probably traveling a lot. Just my thing is I realize that we need to give a uh, tradeswoman a face. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually stepping out of the shadows cause I don't like being, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, taking pictures and I all that, you. but, I, <laughs> but I, I realize that in order to, to, to do this dream, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's way bigger than me and it's way bigger than us. And as women, we have to realize that we like 51% of the population. We do 60, 60% of the world's work and we only get 10% of the world's income. And we only own, earn, have only 1% of the world's property. In order to change that, we have to start with the young girls. And like one of the things they did was in architecture, they built cities and they learned about design and space. And what uh, amazed me that all of these young girls, they all built businesses. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. when they built the, 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 the community, they all built businesses that could make money. Mm-hmm. So in order to, you know, we have to keep inspiring these girls and showing up for them. And I think the most important thing that I learned from being with the girls is I don't need to be perfect. I can make mistakes. The girls just happy that we showed up and every day, you know, they were kind of sad that every day the tradeswomen, the carpenters <laughs> left, the architect, they had to keep meeting new tradeswomen, mm-hmm. but they really fell in love with them. And you can start this and do this wherever you are to inspire girls. It doesn't really take a lot and you can become a monthly donor and also help us that way. So any way in which you can help will really change the future for the girls coming up behind us. Yeah. So well, join I, in the sisterhood. Yeah, join in the sisterhood. And I know that you and I both feel this very strongly that the, the number one way you can change a woman's life is to help her earn more money. 
That's period. Yes. Period. It all starts with the finances. I don't care what anybody tells you. When you're exactly. broke, you can't make a difference. You can't do anything. You have no choices. You have no options. I know you and I both feel really strongly about that, that the best way is through the pocketbook and yep. you help these women through property and businesses and income earn yeah. enough money to actually do something with their lives. And um, exactly. that's where it all starts. <laughs> you can, I truly so, believe that because a yeah. lot of people just want to feed people and I'm okay. I'm, I'm believe me, I've been in since yeah. I was a little girl, you know, I volunteer for everything I've yeah. done, always keep doing it, but you can, we can, t we can feed someone or we can teach them to feed themselves. Yeah. And then from that, it trickles down and now they become part of a society that gives back. Yeah. So yeah, you have to earn enough money to actually do something. So, yeah. um, yeah, I love it. Well, I love your program and I will make sure to put all the stuff up on the show notes so anybody can get in touch with you and help in whatever way. And if there's some tradeswomen out in New York and they want to donate their time or some tools or their yeah. company can donate, uh, we'd love that. Obviously, I would donate if you were nearby. I would love to teach the carpentry classes. <laughs> but yeah. We're a long way away from each other. Um, but I just thank you so much. I know you've got a, a little bit of a break coming up for yourself, a little treat. So uh, hopefully you'll get to relax a little bit, right, on your vacation. And uh, well, like a little no, it's bit. Not a, it's not a vacation. I wish it was. I'm going to Puerto Rico with the trades. A lot of trades um, workers have donating their time to go help rebuild Puerto Rico. So mm. I like should be working longer hours. Oh, only. he won't get a break yeah. at all. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're an angel. You're an angel. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today and listeners, uh, you know, do what you can to help Judy out with her tools and tiras. It's a great, great organization. And I just love what she's doing. Thanks so much for joining me, Judy. Thank you so much for having me Camille. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast this episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. There is nothing more empowering than using tools.